Launching on February 15th at CritAcademy.com, visit our new web store for exclusive content releases and game accessories. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I am your guest, Jeff. And I'm your guest, Gabe. And we're from Interparty Conflict. Ding. And I'm your guest, Austin. And I'm your host, Ian. This <laughs> podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. This show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. <sighs> Seeing this and campaign's at Everness, you're not wrong. Right, right. <laughs> um, we got a really great show for uh, you guys today. Those hot, sexy voices are Gabe and Jeff from one of my favorite podcasts besides my own, Interparty Conflict. So thank you guys <laughs> so much for joining me. So, um, Gabe and Jeff, for those who aren't familiar with uh, Interparty Conflict, can you tell us uh, who you are and where you where they can find you sure um yeah so i'm gabe and i'm jeff and we're the hosts of interparty conflict interparty conflict is a question and answer based advice podcast where we have uh, people write in with questions about uh you know stuff in their tabletop games how you know ideas for characters or how to adjudicate a certain rule or etiquette questions that sort of thing and then we we answer the questions we try to get some good discussion in there and then the end goal is just to try and help everybody have the the best, smoothest game possible. Nice. And, yes. Um, uh, you can find us on you know where you can find us on the Crit Nation Fellowship, of course. Yes. You can. We're on all the the I, we're on on all of the podcast apps and such. But uh, interpartyconflict.com is our our blog. Ooh. Yeah. Check them out, man. And if you haven't been paying attention, I mention these guys on the show every week for a reason. <laughs> Love this right. shit. I want to grow up and be like Gabe and Jeff. I really do. <laughs> Me too. Like being able to like <laughs> form too. a coherent sentence and a string of thoughts together would be fantastic. It really would. I'll get there someday. Probably not, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I would say it's part of my charm and everyone else is like, oh, dude, there ain't no charm there. Stay on topic. <laughs> Who told you I was coherent? <laughs> Where are you getting this information? Uh, so our main topic today is in regards to health points, endurance, armor and how all that stuff works uh in the tabletop rpgs as we know um it's not exactly a perfect analog and it's not supposed to be so i'm excited to talk about what i consider an art form when it comes to describing uh health in rpg games and i feel like Mm -hmm. those who complain about them are probably overthinking yeah, probably. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I'm really excited. I wanted to get a talk about uh, our Let's Talk About Blank segment is uh, I, uh, an article I found on Raising, Raging Swan Press uh, in regards to difficult treasures to sell. And I am super excited to talk about the weapon, the magical weapon that I totally stole from Gabe and Jeff's inner party conflict when they were just talking about we should have did something like this. So I did because it was a good idea. So I can't take all the credit. <laughs> But uh, I, I want to take a second to thank our new gold tier patrons, uh, Morgan Retzloff, Monty Glover, and Christopher Day. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. You too, Gabe. You've been one of our longest supporters as a gold tier, man. I sure hope you're getting your so, money's yeah. worth. 
Absolutely. He's like, I forgot. He's like, (laughs) oh, that's where all that money's been going. Right, yeah, yeah. I canceled that card years ago. (laughs) Somebody else is getting the bill. Oh, God. Um, But we want to thank all of our our patrons. I just made an alteration today to our gold tier. Uh, I sent out uh, a message, a post to our gold tier patrons. I have changed one of the rewards from our Unearthed Tips and Tricks to our crit unearth bundle which includes six of our best sellers so Yay, please um uh, it's a hell of a deal <laughs> yeah. um when you consider as the bundle it's already more than that so uh if you ever wanted to support the show and and feel like you're getting your money's worth now's the time to do it while i'm improving it run before i decide to change my mind <laughs> <laughs> so definitely check us out you can find us at critacademy.com um, follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash critacademy. Check out all of our content. We put out a lot of loot um, mm-hmm. every single week. Because and... loot is the best. That's how I roll. So, anyways, uh, I don't no, think I missed anything. <laughs> I don't know. Have you? Probably. That's not how you roll. <laughs> I roll. I roll on dubs. I don't even know what that means, but I heard a guy say it once and it's just stuck with and me. And it just, uh, yeah. All right, anyways. <laughs> dubs, not subs. <laughs> <laughs> I do love subs, though. If I eat more of them, maybe I would lose a little weight, maybe. I watch both, so whatever. (laughs) That's cool. All right, so uh, if you end up, uh, if you watch the show and you enjoy it, please head on over to CritAcademy.com and and, and support us. We appreciate it. Um, So Crit Nation, thank you so much for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like an RPG without any hit points. Which apparently exists. Yep. and I couldn't find any, but... Probably a bad (laughs) RPG, because... Oh, I don't know. Well... Well, Depends the goal. Yeah. Well, because the mouse mouse doesn't use HP, the more like they use like a ongoing damage that applies negatives to your rolls. So. Yeah, it's, it's basically yeah. Hit it's hit points. <laughs> it's just called something different, but I see what you mean. No, it's not hit points at all. <laughs> Are you, wait, which do one? you die which? eventually? If you roll low enough, that's hit points. Are you talking about what was it? It's just mutants and masterminds. Just oh. call something else. No, it does not use HP at all. <laughs> I was gonna say World of Darkness technically doesn't use HP. It's just conditions until you die. But it just I, gives you negative it, Okay, so yeah, instead of it just, just being like a number, points. it's a set of penalties. Yeah. yeah. Sounds is, the same. We're, we'll get to that. Let's move anyway, on. Yeah. For our Let's Talk About Playing <laughs> segment. Um, I found this amazing article from Raging Swan Press. And honestly, I didn't find it. I subscribed to these guys because I love uh, the content that uh, Creighton puts out. So, um, Thank you, you guys. <laughs> I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about this. Hopefully First, before we get into it, the... the uh, Gabe and Jeff, did you guys have an opportunity to look at this? And, and, and what are your first thoughts in regards to uh, difficult to sell treasures? Yeah, I thought uh, I looked it over a little bit and I, I like the ones that that we're going to be talking about. And I mean, overall, I think the list was was pretty neat. I always love when treasure is more than just X number of gold or a plus one to something. It's always cool when it's like you you begin to wonder what history does this item have? You know, who might be looking for this who might have lost it and, and so on yeah like i've seen uh i feel like i've been through an adventure where like there was like uh, expensive paintings or something and mm-hmm. it's like oh there's like art art that was uh you know stolen from somewhere by the you know the goblins that are in the dungeon it's like all right yeah this could be worth something but it could be worth more to this to the right person sure or it could just be seen as like you this isn't yours you stole this you know like <laughs> It yeah. doesn't matter who stole it first. It's not yours, you know. Right. Um, would they be, you don't want to buy that. Just might only say we stole. <laughs> it's been a while since I've 
stolen anything in the campaign. You know, that's because you haven't played that rogue in a while either. <laughs> that's really funny you talk about that because uh, I was eating uh, some. Uh, I went to Bavarian Inn and they they have the stolen bread and I liked it so much. You know, I bought a big thing of it and so I was talking to my wife on the couch. I was like, oh, I got to roll a chef rogue and his specialty is now going to be stolen bread, man, because it was that's awesome. pretty good. Even my wife laughed at it. I was like, oh, that's a winner. Because she doesn't laugh at shit that I say. <laughs> I always try to make a, a stolen joke whenever we go to Frankenmuth, but uh, it, it never lands. <laughs> Good job. That's funny. So uh, let's talk about a couple of these. There's there's 10 in this example. I've only picked, I think, three. I think I see three, um, yeah. So uh, uh, Gabe or Jeff, do one of you guys want to take that first one there? Yeah, sure. Um, now, sorry, well, there... In the show notes, there's three, but then there's also like a little quote at the top. Yeah, the little excerpt in the beginning. Uh, yeah, I totally kind of skipped that. So if you want to start at that, okay. that's cool too. Sure. Uh, so the 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 article sort of uh, poses: perhaps the items are apparently worthless, stolen, or just only of interest to a subset of people. Others might have a moral dimension. For example, would a paladin be fine with selling unholy symbols wrenched from around the necks of slain evil cultists? <sighs> and if we could, I actually I kind of want to want to park on this for a moment that's um, what do you it. guys think like how would a paladin feel about selling you know unholy symbols depends on the paladin yeah i was gonna yeah, say yeah. technically <laughs> definitely in, true in the campaign yeah. that we're going into descent into avernus i am a lawful evil paladin so he has so no fucks I to give. like i'm like yeah dude <laughs> yeah well, Mother, we'll I can imagine, like depending on what they're made out of, you can you could just melt them down. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Maybe that's cursed <laughs> gold, though. Oh, true, true. Oh, yeah. Then you get could some you of that have... stuff oh, from uh, what is the the movie with uh, the pirate Pirates of the Caribbean, right? The Caribbean. <laughs> Instead yeah. of a stolen chest, it's this thing they're hanging around their necks is all cursed and shit because somebody silverware melted the shit yeah. down into silverware. There's also uh, a little bit of a tangent. But there's an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation where. Um, there's some radioactive metal that this like group of, of primitive people come across. Oh yeah. Because someone from, from start, you know, data gets his memory gets erased and, uh, he, they get a hold of this radioactive metal and they don't know what it is. They just start forging it into jewelry and such. And then suddenly everybody starts getting sick and, you know, but I, so I think, uh, I've, I've been in groups where the DM will, if the, if the party does get, come across some sort of like evil, whatever and they they do still want to give the party a reward for having getting having gotten it sometimes i've had dms that will that the like good aligned churches will pay the party for retrieving it and then they'll destroy it so the party still gets some amount of a reward that's yeah. an actually but the, like that. that's smart yeah, yeah that's a really cool. clean way of doing it too because yeah. it, it makes it a lot more in world and makes a lot of sense sure. too or melting down the holy symbol into raw materials and selling them that works too <laughs> I mean, sure. yeah, you could, yeah. I mean, hey, here's a cursed evil sword. I mean, it's a sword. <laughs> <laughs> what was that first part? Uh, it was a slip. <laughs> you know, Don't worry you, about you it. sell one cursed item, you sell another, and you just kind of forget they're cursed. This was just a regular yeah. long sword. No longer sword. my problem. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, so I really like that. Uh, so, <laughs> Jeff, do you want to tell us about the, this first item here? Because this one really, I really like this one. Let's see. Uh, this ornate ivory candlestick holder stands almost two feet tall. Uh, it depicts a naked l- l- lascivious, <laughs> lascivious, ooh, lascivious succubus standing in a provocative, seductive pose with its arm raised above its head. I see why you Demon- like it. 
What's that? <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, so. the, de- <laughs> the demon's face has a look of pure lust upon it. Clearly, the candlestick was commissioned by an evil, depraved individual. Well, Clearly. I agree with the depraved part. <laughs> <laughs> so, the reason I like this item is because it's not necessarily something that is meant to make anybody at the table uncomfortable, but me role-playing this out as they're trying to sell it to me, I think would be a lot of fun as a DM. Definitely. I'm just like, sure. I could just imagine my characters going up, I'd like to sell this. And the gay, and the shopkeeper's just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, I need an adult. <laughs> I am an adult. You are like, an yeah, adult. Yeah, it's a family-owned establishment. <laughs> right, right. The kid is working the counter. And like, <laughs> oh, yeah. God. No, I just imagine the adventurer is carrying this thing around, and it's constantly drawing eyes and everything. I just, it's one of those things that's clearly, as a DM, I would have, I poke fun at them all the time as they're like, wow. Um, It'd be like if we were giving No, they got buildings for that right <laughs> it'd be like yeah. if you're trying to sell the, the leg lamp from a christmas story yes that's <laughs> or, a great or, example well the fact that it's two feet tall it's yeah. not like you can just like yeah. you're not just your, like walking around with it it's like here's what you got to do though have have the the conjurer wizard create some clothes for it <laughs> that you can put on while you're carrying it around so it's actually wearing a very very uh, uh demure dress Instead Can of I? being completely nude. Yeah, they, uh, oh, like sorry. a lawful good like wizard that's just like, no, 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 no. We got to censor that. <laughs> yeah. Or alternatively, because I'm a paladin and I'm an evil paladin, I could just turn it into a javelin. Like, hello, yes. Can you put wooden shaft at the bottom of this and make spearhead on top? Please. Right, yeah. That's too yeah, much just, effort. My yeah. barbarian would just pick it up and beat people <laughs> with <laughs> a new mall. Yeah, you improvise club, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would work. That would work. Oh, I'm gonna pound. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you the pole. Oh God. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I really like that one. Uh, Austin, do you want to tell us about sure. the second one? Oh my God, we're beyond this shit all day. Oh yeah. <laughs> the top of this dwarven too. skull has been sliced off, and its eye sockets, mouth, and other orifices crudely filled with silver. A cast iron handle has been fused to the skull where the vertebra should be. This macabre drinking cup was once used by a hill giant chieftain to toast his victories. Okay. So before I give my opinions, Gabe, Jeff, what do you guys think about this? Um, I think that uh, it, you know, it might be hideous to average people, but I think definitely someone who, I mean, there's there's silver in there. I'm sure someone would oh, be yeah. willing to, to buy it for that alone. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, if, if someone's interested in, like, in maybe maybe they view it as art, maybe it's yeah. it's something of historical value, if that was, like, a particularly well-known hill giant chieftain, or, like, he was he was killed in a uh, an epic battle or something. Yeah. I could see someone wanting to buy that. Might that be could... somebody who's studying those hill giants, and sure. it sees it as sort of like an archaeology sort of thing. I just Ooh, had an I idea. Like I just had an idea. Someone who knew that dwarf wants to buy it so that they can cast a resurrection on it. Oh, Ooh. oh shit. Right? Alternatively, I'm going That's to find cool. the nearest orc and be like, hello, I got this from Selene Foe. How much you buy for? <laughs> sure, oh, sure. that's a good one. I like that. Dennis will pay you 10 gold. <laughs> I'll take oh it. My God. Um, so that's actually one thing that really jumped out at me is this is something that you could leverage to sell as, or trade uh, in one of those situations where you got to pay a toll and a big monster is blocking the way. 
Like this is mm-hmm. something like to me, I think would be a great opportunity to sell that. But I can't imagine uh, a small human or a halfling wanting to buy this thing, afraid it's probably cursed once again. You know, yeah. Or mm-hmm. the giant chieftain's probably going to come and take it back, or something <laughs> like that. You know. Alternatively, I could go to the inn and I could just drink out of it myself. <laughs> I think that that would hey. you would have a table to yourself. But <laughs> different strokes for different folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I almost made a very, uh, our show made happy suitable for young children comment. Um, <laughs> the, the, the reason I like these items is because it isn't some, at least it comes by the DM's, uh, responsibility to say, Hey, um, the NPC is not interested in that. The, it, it's mm-hmm. too creepy. It's, it's filthy and it, it might be cursed. I don't know. And I'm terrified of it. Get it the hell away from me. Um, yeah. and I think that's a really great way to give them very, very valuable items in a way, but something that they can't get rid of until you to deem is acceptable. Let's say I give you a 3000, this thing could sell for a 3000 gold pieces and I don't want you getting that. So now I just say, well, because it's this messed up thing, nobody wants it. I can control what part during the, the adventure or story you can actually unload it. So I can expect to know exactly when and how much money you're going to have at a specific time when I want you to, I guess. Does yeah, that make sure. sense? Yeah. So it's sort of like a, is that sort of like a trust fund? Am I, am I understanding that? <laughs> it's a skull fund. <laughs> yeah. The skull fund. Yeah. I also I like, like these two so far because it's kind of, I think it was Jeff who said it, it's just, it's something that's not as like boring as like a plus one magic item. You know right. I mean? Yeah. It's like, ah, yes, a plus one longsword. Hooray. <laughs> that doesn't even get into the fact of how long the players are going to spend trying to figure out if these things are magical. Why would the DM put right. so much time in describing that? It's yeah. got to be important. Yeah. Okay, it's a plus one long sword, but there's some glowing rules right here etched into the shape of a middle finger. <laughs> DM yep. sway of saying I love you. <laughs> but anyways, um, do you guys have any other comments on these? I think these are great roleplay opportunities. And um, well, I, I think there's one more in here that I thought was I thought was really neat. All right, well, why don't you tell us about it? Sure. Sure. With a with a plain battered leather cover, this small book at first glance doesn't seem particularly noteworthy. A PC perusing the text, however, discovers it comprises several short plays. Written by an unknown hand, all the plays lampoon and deride the current ruler of the kingdom. Hmm. It is a seditious band work and is one of a dozen or so copies still in circulation. Those caught with the work are guilty of treason. Oh my goodness, that'd actually be so crazy. So it'd be like having mm-hmm. a copy of William the Pooh in China? Is that really a thing? So. Yeah, that's, yes. that's really oh a thing. Oh my god. They banned Winnie the Pooh in China because people kept on saying that Chinese Prime Minister looks like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. That's a thing. No, that's, that's the thing. That's uh, true. Anyways, um, I think this is great because um, it creates a lot of, uh, it adds political tr- intrigue to any sort mm-hmm. of campaign, even if they don't have it. Because how are people going to react to that? It kind of sure. reminds me of when my rogue went through the corpse of that one lady and found the book and she was <laughs> secret. <laughs> she was like a stalker to some dude or something. Yeah, right? It was yeah. like Reading 50 shades like, of doom. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? But I kept reading it. I was like, maybe there's like something in here. And I'm like, nope, I'm just rereading some girl who was stalking I, some I dude. Didn't, one I don't remember how much detail I went into some of those. But <laughs> it was funny. It was, it was uh, a good time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting it. journal. Uh, <laughs> still has the journal. But I think something like this is great for that because maybe you, you you're looking for a way to drop in a little bit of political intrigue into your game. This is a yep. good way to do it. Cause then what if the, somebody in the bar gives you away 
and the guards yeah. show up and are ready to beat your face in or toss you in prison or just do that. They don't even ask you where you got it from. Um, could definitely create uh, a lot of internal uh, focus for a campaign that might not be focused on that. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of the Fahrenheit 451 feeling, you know, just burn it up, burn sure, them all. Because sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, it's easy to forget that D&D doesn't have to be about, you know, fighting demons and dragons and stuff. It right. can be about political intrigue and that can be if it's done well can be just as interesting if not yeah. more so but For i sure. like but i like killing dragons uh, so, it's okay. guy, so it's a guy who made a dragon statue to to say please don't fight us yeah. <laughs> well you can kill dragons but you know in, for political ends you know? sure. right right yeah. <laughs> that's true. funny true um could but, be a, a humanoid that is a dragon just being polymorphed oh i love that and uh, you're just like ah yes this is bad <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like he's very upset with us. Why is his eyes changing? <laughs> <laughs> is he getting bigger? Why did the ground crack underneath him? Anyways, are we I, on the fourth floor? I really like these uh, ideas, and, and Raging Swan Press puts out stuff like this all the time. And I wanted to share that with you. Uh, head on over to CritAcademy.com and click the the blog, and you'll see the show notes there. They're all tied together, and you can get the link. Um, definitely check it out, and even consider subscribing to him. He has great content and great inspiration for your games. So. I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Um, as always, every episode we love to give away fat loots. Um, today we're giving away Lorsmith's Modular Dungeon t- Tiles Arcania. Uh, basically, they're easy way for you to create your own beautiful digital maps. Um, the Arcania set makes for great uh, dark and shadowy dungeons rich with the arcane fumes and arcane secrets. So... That being said, who is our winner today? Who did I forgot who I gave that job I, to? That was me. <laughs> Gabe. Our winner, our winner today is Summer Walker 226. Thank you, YouTube, for making it so I can't play Hulkmania. You suck. <laughs> I tried to get the rights to it, but there's no way I can afford that. <laughs> yeah, not worth it. No. no, I don't know. It almost would have been that. Reminds okay. me of, just so I could tell YouTube to shove it. <laughs> sure. That reminds me of when I tried to do like a project in school for a uh, local um, government organization. They kept asking like, "We want to play this song by Katy Perry and this, this, and this in the background." Like, okay, first off, do you know how expensive that would be? <laughs> yeah, five hundred dollars uh, for the rights to play Hulk Mania. Yeah, I was looking at two, three thousand. Okay. Jesus. Anyways, is that five hundred per play? I don't think so. Oh. Um, okay. I mean, it shocked me. I hope not. God, I hope not. <laughs> no wonder radio stations are dying. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, you didn't win. No problem. We've got you covered here at Crit Academy because that is how we roll. Damn right. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Loresmith and not and get access to a free set of digital terrain and so much more. Check it out. That's check, how it out, check it out, check it out. Yeah. Now, on to our main topic today. I'm Like I said, I'm really excited to talk about health, armor, and endurance in tabletop games. This totally comes from uh, an article the, from Nerdolopedia uh, by Jacob Waterman. It really spurred this entire conversation, mostly because I have some fighting words with some of what he says and agree with him <laughs> on others. Um, and I thought that this is something we hadn't really touched on. I know, Gabe and Jeff, you guys have touched on it a little bit on your show. A little bit. So I think that this was a great topic to have you guys on uh, for because I want you to share your opinions and agree with me so that I'm right and I've got uh, I'm validated. You you can disagree with him too. It's fine. 
Well, we'll see what we'll see. We'll see as we go. I disagree with you right now, actually. That's fine. <laughs> so, um, so in this article, and you can, like I said, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com and check the blog article for the show notes, uh, and you'll find the whole link there. So it starts off with the fighter swings their hammer into the skeleton, shattering it to pieces. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to choke on my own stuff. <laughs> From behind, another skeleton raises its sword, catching the fighter by surprise and landing a blow. A large gash is cut across its their back, similar to the nine other near-fatal wounds they've received that combat. <laughs> Later that night, the party rests as they talk about their encounter with the undead. And in the morning, all their wounds will be healed. Mm-hmm. And they can... Go and venture through the crypt again. Ha! So yep. that's how this article starts off. So d- before I go on my rant, does anybody have any feedback for that? Anything they want to touch on? First and foremost, it's a game. Excellent yep. point. This, yeah. Point number one. Um, I was going to actually just kind of agree with what was literally the next thing. So we can just kind of <laughs> go right to it. What, well, what about you, Gabe and Jeff? Anything? I, I was going to joke and be like, oh, sounds good to me. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right. Um, I actually want to touch I'm... on this a little bit, and Ian kind of beat me to it. It's a game, people. Doesn't also, have to make sense. I'm the protagonist. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have pseudo plot armor, so long as the DM demands it. So, whatever. Yep. And I... And I, and I see a lot of people making the argument, it's called role-playing, not role-playing, that second part being like role as an R-O-L-L as I'm rolling dice. Mm. I'm like, yes, but you're also ignoring the game half of the word. Right, right. <laughs> right. So that brings us to our, uh, our our topic of discussion is fantasy versus realism. Which is what I was going to Realism, yeah. yeah. Well, that's not how it works in the real world. It's something I have heard too many times. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fake. It's make believe. You think dragons yeah. are in that or in our world right now? Come on, let's be real. Or any of the other things like like an abolith. Have you not? I hope shot? there's not abolith. God, I oh, hope God. not. That's terrifying. <laughs> I guess we don't know all of the underwater. Mm, there's one in the White House right now. <laughs> Have you not played Shadowrun? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, this this thing happens a lot, and I think it happens mostly with people who are experts in specific fields uh, when sure. it comes to combat. Um, before I give my thoughts, Gabe or Jeff, do you have anything in regards to this kind of how it works in the real world? Um, well, I mean, in the real world, we have things like television shows where when a character gets shot in one scene, <laughs> two scenes later, they're still walking around fine. You know? yeah. So like, <laughs> check it off. Acting and storytelling is a real world thing. So you can mm-hmm. understand that, you know, you can make that comparison that like, OK, this is also acting and storytelling. Yeah. You can make that connection as to like, okay, this isn't going to work exactly right. Like real life. Sure, because um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so, so two two things: one about fantasy, and one versus realism. Uh, if you want it to be that, I mean, I guess they're both about realism. If you want it to be that, okay, uh, your character gets you know stabbed by the skeleton. All right, your character's just dead. Is that, <laughs> that's it is that better is that, is that more that was more fun, fun Gabe thank you <laughs> I've always wanted to be stabbed in the chest by a skeleton yeah oh my god and then another thing is that uh, I mean I I am uh, by no means a, a martial artist or anything like that but I mean like I've I've taken part a little bit in like foam sword fighting and also I've you know I've seen like my dad was a black belt I think he still is and I've seen 
you like know, the karate black belt of, or like a leather black belt because those aren't the same. I, you know, right? An, an actual black belt. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think he's. Uh, I mean, it, it was like twenty years ago. I don't think he's he's done much since then. But so I, I've seen a good amount of actual fighting and actual like realistic fighting does not look cool. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't you know, the one it's not like one on one fights where like one guy, you know, takes him out of one blow and then jumps to the next guy and whatever. <laughs> no, it's like everybody is like staying just out of arm's reach. Occasionally there will be like a swing that they dodge or whatever. And most of the time it's just like, oh, OK, you yeah. look at your watch. Is it <laughs> is it over? somebody going to do something <laughs> now? <laughs> so trying to make it more realistic can you could do that you could be like okay roll 30 times at the end of those 30 rolls will determine whether you're whether you win or you can make it fun and exciting yeah i was thinking like real life fighting is like <laughs> grappling in dnd very much it's it's just like yeah it, it is or it is either just like they're trying to stay out of arm's reach the whole time or yeah. somebody gets a cheap shot in and just knocks a guy out or yeah. You know, or you just end up like grappling each other on the ground, trying to, you know, do as much damage to yeah. each other. Until everybody gets tired and gives up. Yeah, until somebody's like, whoa, 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 hey guys, stop. Yeah. I thought we said no cock punches. It's definitely not like uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith when like, you know, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan are having this crazy absurd sword fight. <laughs> right. And right. And like they twirling, never uh, twirling yeah. lightsabers to, to techno music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or how nobody turns off the, the lightsaber as it gets swing at them. So we keep going and then you just turn it back down. And yeah. <laughs> like that would be like, instead of let it hit, just turn it off, turn it back on. They swing past you get right in the head. Um, yeah. so now there are some comparisons outside of just, you know, I know we're talking about combat, but when we, when we play uh, RPGs, we do make a few assumptions that there are some sort of contrast to be drawn mm-hmm. Um basic things, weather patterns, though so. we do alter those in our RPGs, right? I remember mm-hmm. specifically yeah. making a post about an encounter where lightning strikes every like six seconds. And I was like, that's not how lightning works. And I'm like, it's a, f- it's a game, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's magical. Okay. Magic. Yeah, magic. You know. Anyways, um, so there's a lot. Of, there are a lot of, of things that we make assumptions on, um, but combat is one of the things that, to me, is more about is more of like an art form. Because I don't know if you've noticed, no two DMs really describe it the same. Sure. Um, some people go back to the first statement we talked about, or the first comments we made about the slashing of the sword and cutting the wounds and getting nine deadly, uh, deadly. Uh, slashes before they take a rest and heal overnight or whatever um you know the thing that i think is interesting about that is first of all there's magic in the world but Mm -hmm. the let's say for a second he's right that the 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 players heal the, the characters heal up overnight did you know there's actually a mechanic in the player's handbook that addresses this and most people forget about it yep did you know in a long rest you can only recover half your hit dice yep Yep. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that don't utilize that. Well, guess what happens when you spend them all in a day and then go and take a rest and keep using them? Eventually, you're screwed. You you keep running out sooner and sooner and sooner. And that's a, a way to slow down that recovery. Right? Sure. Um, so for me, if you want your game to be more realistic and those damages to heal, after every session, make downtime. It's weak. You recovered. It doesn't have to be overnight. Maybe if they take too much damage, you change it and it says, well, 
okay, um, you guys got effed up yesterday, so you're going to have to take three or four days of downtime to recover. Oh, shit, mm. the princess is dead. Sorry. Don't get hit next time. Plan better, yeah. you know? There's yeah. a gritty realism in the uh, DMG for that, if you want, really want that. Yeah. Right. I did offer that to my players for Descent into Avernus, and they shot that shit down so quick. It's like, yes, <laughs> you want to wait a like, full If that's the... what you want, it's great, but, it, like, it's not... <laughs> it's not that fun though like no, it's no. it's it's a lot more paperwork it's you know keeping track of more things like trying to keep things uh, more on the side of realism which, right okay. boring which i'm gonna yeah. say for our campaign we already kind of have to keep track of a lot of things yes. as is so. like right like True. i yeah. have played in the past like some games where the dm push has to be like ultra realistic to the point where they even had us fill out sheets of paper to show how we had stuff organized in our backpacks and wow. like that sounds i mean we did it and it was what it was but at the same time it's like this is not fun. It sold everything down. <laughs> yeah. If that's the point of the game, okay, I I could be on board for that maybe. But if if I'm playing the if I'm playing a game I'm already familiar with, and you're trying to shoehorn that in, I don't see myself being too welcoming to it. You know, right. without a lot of convincing. Yeah. I tried to convince him. Like we we did our session zero on Saturday. I was like, so Friday. I got, got huh Friday was it Friday? Whatever day. Who gives a damn? It's hey. uh, not today. It's a day. <laughs> it's all the same to me. It runs together. Um. I'll find I, these and then day. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to bring it to the team because I wanted. I honestly, I wanted to try it again, um, and I did it once for a one shot, and I liked it, but it was one shot, and so yeah, I was like, "Well, like if you're going game. to do a gritty realism, the descent into Avernus is is the game to do it because you're in a world where some of the rules don't apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, time is different. You can spend a day traveling to the next city and then take you three days to get back to where you were at." From the same location. Like the worst in the 40K. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of things. And because of that, and there's no like edible food or drink uh, in the nature. So you have to, there's this very much survival design, survival sort of game. But they didn't want to go with all my ideas, but they went with uh, most of them. So I'm cool with that. Can't Uh, win them all. On a side note, though, the whole debate of fantasy versus realism. I remember back in the day where I saw the argument online of, okay, I want the wall run purchase style across the 30 foot gap. DM, you can't do that. That's not realistic. But this wizard just teleports 50 feet across the room. Oh, that's magic. That's okay. (laughs) I had, I was in a game a while back where the dungeon master didn't like people using dark vision with their characters because the way he saw it, the the way he put it, the human eye takes, I think he said, 30 minutes to adjust to darkness. So therefore, dark vision, you have to be in perfect darkness for 30 minutes before you can use your dark vision. And first off, that makes dark vision completely useless in the game. But second off, humans don't have dark vision. Yeah. Orcs <laughs> and dwarves <laughs> and elves have dark vision, none of which exist. <laughs> That's a good example. I like that. Stop. Stop. It's like the overthinking trap. Yeah. And that, that happens too often with the realism versus fantasy you know mm-hmm. like i said I, we, we we do draw some parallels gravity is one right we sure, assume sure. gravity works the same nothing actually says that it does how do we know right. the planet isn't half gravity you know yeah. just they're all Some's smaller i guess high. i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe that's why everyone's so acrobatic there's because the gravity is lighter you know whatever who knows sure, <laughs> but though there are assumptions made but you can't be trying to leverage your scientific know-how in a game meant to entertain you for fun when people can make a wish come true with a word. Um, It, it, it it doesn't, it doesn't jive people. So uh, Mm -hmm. we kind of, we kind of went kind of on a, on a rant there because I really want to get to the next point here. If I could actually a small interjection, I saw this online recently and I thought this is a great 
a great uh, metric for whether something is too technical or not. And I think it was somebody on Reddit was saying that in their group, whenever somebody proposes like, oh, well, uh, I should be able to use heat metal on blood because blood has iron in it and so on and so on, whatever. Um, they like to ask their group, well, how would an orc describe this? <laughs> would an orc say blood is metal? Or would they say, no, blood is blood? <laughs> well, it tastes good. <laughs> that's, that's a way to just a quick little... Would this make sense to to someone in the world that has a, a very basic understanding of a lot of combat and such? Right. Would and an orc say that this makes sense or would an orc get angry and attack you for. Proposing? So it's not like explain like I'm five. It's explain. Explain like I'm orc. There you go. Explain <laughs> like I'm orc. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and that's not quite necessarily how chemistry works either. Of, of course, there's lots of reasons why why uh, right. the heat metal Magic. thing doesn't work, but. As an example, yeah, what, what would an orc say? Mm. Uh, burns! I mean, like, uh, okay, water's made from hydrogen and oxygen, but they don't necessarily have the properties of either one, either. Right. Right. Anyways, um, just get your realism bullshit out of my fantasy game, people. It's a game. <laughs> yeah. It's a game. Remember that. Now, to the, the main topic here of health and damage, you know. We mm. know hit points isn't a perfect system, um... But, you know, it's simple enough to uh, follow and understand. That's why video games use it. They wouldn't use it if it didn't represent what they needed to accurately, mm -hmm. right? That's kind of the, the, the whole point. Um, you know, they're, they're used to not only represent, you know, uh, a physical but also mental durability. Um, the will to live and luck. That's right out of the, the, the player's handbook or the DMG. I forget which one, but yep. it's designed to not just be your flesh wounds. It, um, it's meant to be, um, how worn out and taxed you get from being intensely focused on your surroundings and constantly having to think the next step, the next step. And sometimes you just slip and a sword misses you because you tripped over a rock or something, you know? Creature, and it's it's very straightforward. Creatures with more hit points are harder to kill. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they bleed any less. Maybe it's a guy in full plate is harder to kill because he's in full plate. But under nine, he's just as squishy as anybody else. You know, it's... it's A lot of it's just description. That too. Yeah, yeah. Getting ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's probably why the D DMs describe hit point loss in different ways, you know. When the goal is when you're current uh, in the, I think it's in the player's handbook. God, I wish I would have annotated this thing. Um, when your current hit point total hits uh, a half from one of those resources, whichever one I got it for, it basically is, uh, you really are just, aren't really showing any signs of energy as long as it's above half. But as soon as you dip below that, um, <laughs> below your half of your maximum hit points, that's when you start to see things such as small cuts in bruises and whiz. That's half your hit points. Now yeah. it doesn't care if you're a commoner with four hit points and half your hit points is two, or you're a dragon with, and nobody look at the monster manager. Cause I don't know how accurate this is with 500, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's, it, like it doesn't care. So Feels a dragon like can lose 200, or 249 hit points and be perfectly okay. Sure, their wings are going to be beating a little slower. They're going to be breathing a little deeper. They're going to get a little more sluggish, but they're not showing any signs of wounds. But two damage more. Oh, they got a bruise. See? Yeah. I mean, that's mm -hmm. at least from that source. Now, 
that to me is important um, because you know combats when they were when they hit you zero, that's when you actually take a hit directly. Um, I think we had a question on the show once where somebody asked about uh, uh, a scene in uh, Batman uh, where he had his back broken. And that, it, you know, was that him going from like half hit points or down? No, he was at zero and he got his right. shit face kicked in while he was down. <laughs> or they're using massive damage rolls. In the or that too, that could work, but I wasn't going with that at the time. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. um, so that's when you get hit. That's when you take uh, serious trauma. That's when you start bleeding. Or sometimes that's just when you go unconscious. That's how damage is supposed to be portrayed based on God. Somebody needs to find that. Is it the player handbook or is it the monster manual or the, the DMG? I, I, probably I the think DMG, it's the player's handbook. Good. Let's go with that. So if it's wrong, everyone handbook, Gabe but... is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your guys' thoughts on that? And, and how do you, you see that working? We'll start with our guests. Sure. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and it is supported by the book. I think that it doesn't really make sense when you're like, oh, well, I've taken uh, eight direct sword stabs, but, you know, I'm still good. I'm taking no penalties on anything. It's a little weird. Mm. That being said, it mm. also, um, if it is, it also brings into question, if, if you are going with, well, you know, you're not actually injured until you get to zero or whatever, then it raises the question of, well, how does healing work then? Because a healing word and a, which is magic, and a healer's kit with the healer feet, which is just like stitching someone up or whatever. Both of those can heal the same amount of damage. So when let's say you're a 10th level fighter, why are you less, why are you more resistant to being healed than the first level fighter, even though ostensibly they are the same, the same types of injuries. It's, it's a little, no matter how you look at it, like you said earlier, Justin, it's not perfect. Right. Nothing is really going to solve the problem. At the end of the day, you kind of got to just say, it's a game. Yep. This is a good metric for how close you are to not being able to fight anymore. Mm. You can try and tie it to realism all you want. Maybe it will work for you in certain situations. It probably won't work for you in all situations. Right. And what right. you just said, though, in some games I have played, that is to a degree accounted for some way, shape, or form, be it the mechanics or how some things work. But yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. Do you have anything on that? No, I kind of got it pretty good what about you jeff yeah i like because the idea of a bandage from the healing kit yeah works less well on a higher level character doesn't make any realism se- you know sense in as far as realism yeah, right all the, um well, as far yeah. as like how you're like flavoring the way that hit points works you got to think of like how armor class works because mm-hmm. like you're harder to hit so you don't take damage the better armor you're using yeah so like when you're taking hits your armor's like, taking the hits right right your armor you know when you're taking hits your armor's taking the hits like i it's it's it, i think you really have to do like character by character description yeah. of yeah. of hit points yeah, there's like, definitely yeah. no the monk is dodging because they can sense the attack before and their key is running out as they right as yeah. they take right. hit point the, the, the barbarian is is actually maybe they are like you know they are taking hits but their constitution so great that it's just not it's not you know getting through their tough skin you mm-hmm. know uh it, like it really you really if you want to make it more realistic you kind of have to go to a character by character basis and at, at that point you know one character's idea of hit points is a, is completely right. different to another so yeah. just kind of we're going to talk a little about that when we get to armor and dodging um, yeah the one thing that uh this really reminds me of did you guys ever watch the princess bride 
Yes. Right. Great In The movie. Princess Bride, when Inigo Montoya is fighting Wesley, that to me is an example of a battle where you're not getting a direct hit, but you can tell they're getting sluggish, they're getting slower, they're getting winded. That, to mm-hmm. me, in my opinion, is a great example of uh, representative of hit points, right? Because while they haven't landed a blow, the the how close both blows are coming and how quickly they have to parry and how they have to block is wearing them down. The running around the field is exhausting them, and you can tell that. That, to me, is an example of... Um, you know, hit points uh, uh, in a in a in an RPG or a video game. The only difference is is nobody ever lands the blow that knocks the other one unconscious. They essentially mm-hmm. stop, right? Wait, no, doesn't the one guy get hit in the head or something? Eventually, uh, yeah, and eventually, Inigo is so he's so winded that Wesley he like falls to his knees and Wesley just like just claws him in the head to knock and knock him out. And there would be the bringing yeah. him to zero right there. And mm-hmm. something else too, I want to re- reiterate that we already touched on. HP is the game mechanic that is used to keep track of how up your characters are. Yep. Like I yep. have had, and these to say that in most games I've played, players freely share this information with each other. Okay, I'm at this. Or I have seen people jump down the throat of saying, your character does not understand HP, nor are they a surgeon. They don't know how bad they are. And to which I say, okay, let me give two examples. First off, I may be a doctor, and I met as an internal bleeding, but I know... And what, for one example, being stemmed in the leg is a bad thing. <laughs> and to make it even more extreme, I might be a surgeon that knows how uh, organs and work, but I know your chest like, being concave, so convex of being hit by a troll's <laughs> club is also a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> making this Stop more difficult them. than you need to be. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, when those like main characters from like animes and stuff they're all like oh yeah i have three broken ribs and uh, a shattered ankle but uh no and, oh, and my arm is also uh uh misplaced but you know what i know exactly how i'm feeling good <laughs> i can do this yeah. actually i watched the uh, saw a martial arts fight one time with a savat which is a french kickboxing which is actually more hardcore than you would think but like the guy that they were interviewing was like the former world champion and the fight he won was famous because in his match against a South Korean, he actually, in the fight, had both of his arms broken. Damn. <laughs> and ended up winning by knockout because he just switched to just kicks. <laughs> oh, jeez. What a badass. Yeah, no, right. And then just then going, he had both of his arms broken and won. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. You gotta do what you gotta do. Um, so... Uh, one of the comments he uh, Jacob made in his article, he says, so when you take uh, damage, it does something to the character, whether that's a loss of blood or winding them or uh, depleted energy or maybe your barrier is running out. You know, we have uh, we have uh, magic in, in, in the games that give you temporary hit points and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, those get depleted. Something is happening when you take damage. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, that you've got cut one of them. One of my favorite things to do is when somebody successfully uh, hits above, uh, let's say, a wizard cast shield and they go to, to, to thrust and they block it with the shield, but they still hit above the AC. I just say that it cracks and busts a part of magical shield away. That's mm-hmm. a hit. You made a hit. I don't need to say yep. exactly that it hit the person, but you shattered uh, the energy that... You've drained him of the energy that was being used to sustain this barrier and penetrate him. That, to me, is a good enough example of a hit that wasn't stopped by a magical effect, but didn't technically, you know, gut the person to bring him to zero. 
Though I've right, done that. Sure. I've been in those situations too where, oh, you took three damage after the going, putting up the shield. It cracks. The blade slips through like a glass window and right in your chest and you fall unconscious, you know. But mm-hmm. generally beyond that, that's about where I stop. Um, and in, in, in our games, we have to be aware of that as as dms which i think brings us to the next point and what jeff was talking about earlier is the um the uh the armor and dodging differences fifth edition we have to admit has streamlined it a whole lot there's really only two conditions you get out of the way or you take the the attack full on there's really to my understanding there's not really an in-between correct me if i'm wrong there kind of was the fighter back in the playtested degree but that's another topic into itself so yeah so we're gonna be moving on yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so uh you talked about uh you know the difference between armor getting hit versus like dodging and it being a character 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 to character uh um comparison or difference or unique situation that you have to describe as the dm i think armor and dodging is a good example of that because if you think about heavy plate armor the ac is like static right it's it's a really high number and that's pretty much it but when you look at the lighter stuff that revolves around the mobility of the character they add their decks to it that's because they're it's light enough for them to twist and pull and move and and avoid the attacks altogether. And I think that that, in my opinion, is kind of a good way that they've made that dis- distinguishing. Um, yes, distinction. Thank you. Like, <laughs> or even that though, I have seen RPGs where, like, uh, with the the Dragon Age tabletop game, for example, mm-hmm. I've seen different builds where they do treat dodging and armor completely differently because dodging is I evade the attack or armor, though characters with high armor tend to. Ha- actually have lower ACs, but armors have damage reduction. Ah, so they yeah. offset it. Okay, that's not kind of interesting. There's, there's quite a few uh, yeah. role-playing games, like even even specific offshoots of D&D, like I know the Star Wars D20 system, which is very much inspired by D&D, mm-hmm. uses armor as damage reduction rather than, rather than or addition to armor as AC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going on in his... Uh, in his uh, breakdown of this. And the one thing I want to talk on is, you know, the difference, you know, when you're describing the action and let's say the person's got a high AC and it gets blocked. If you're, con- mm-hmm. if you're aware that they're wearing heavy armor, just make sure you describe that it gets nicks and dings and defects. You don't have to go right after you got a cut in your arm or it managed to find the one little chink and, and get in there. No, um, you do, you know, you do uh, 17 damage and, you know, part of his, you know, pauldron explodes, you know, if that's a lot of his hit points or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the way I'm understanding it. The best thing for us to do if we want to follow the initial intent of what's written in the player's handbook is that we need to try to find ways to describe the action without landing a real good, solid crunch to the head, which I'm going to yeah. be honest, I'm guilty of. I always talk about getting cut in the arm or taking yeah, an arrow to the knee 10 years ago. <laughs> it really hurts. Yep. All yeah. that game has been released how many times now? Over right, right. <laughs> I think we're on to six. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyways, um, so in this, this, the reason I like this article is because it really brought that into focus that I've been doing that, which means I as a DM can be better. I can be better. I can focus on the, uh, like the most common ones, the shield. What's the difference between the, the guy wearing plate in a two-handed and one with a shield? Well, probably the one with the shield when he blocks, you just flavor in the shield is part of the reason it blocked, you know? Make it feel mm-hmm. like it's part of the game. The, the the dodging rogue or monk. I love what you said earlier about the monk, you know, being able to kind of slowly, like, uh, kind of like fluid, uh, avoid an attack versus, um, versus like a, uh, 
uh, a fighter who just just takes the brunt of it. So how do we, if we're comparing AC versus dodging, how do we describe a hit on the dodger and still it be rewarding for the player who actually hit? Because that was one of the biggest struggles that I came to when I was reading this. Because it has to be satisfying. Exploding armor, denting, ding, stuff like that's easy to do. But if somebody's Mm. a dodge, going to dodge like a rogue or a, uh, well, pretty much anybody, if they they avoid by dodging, how do you make that? ...is using for their defense and try and make them feel like that was a good choice. For example, if they chose to use a shield and a sword instead of a two-handed weapon, make sure that you describe that shield either when they do- when when the enemy fails to hit their AC, describe it as being you block it with your shield so that they feel like, okay, this shield was a good idea. And or when they do take damage, say uh, you get hit, but it's your shield got slightly damaged. You know, like mm-hmm. you you didn't necessarily get stabbed, but your shield, you know now has a big old crack in it or whatever. Actually, try to the, make try to make their their uh their choices, their character choices meaningful. Yep. In yeah. that way. Actually yeah, your, your shield arm got a good, you know, ding to it so sure. your your arm starts to feel numb or something like that. Oh, I like that. Yep. Although I will do want to point out though somewhat that not that it matters with fifth edition, but in the second edition of Pathfinder, they actually do take into account shield HP. <laughs> oh, oh shields okay. have hit points. That's cool. Hmm. Another another hit point thing, huh? Yep. <laughs> Like durability. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And the shield does break if it takes too much damage. So, so Gabe, I absolutely loved your answer. Could you give okay. me more flavor to actually to the dodging part? Because <laughs> that's the question I was well, looking for. Because I don't oh, know. Sorry, I don't sorry. have um, an answer. I really don't. And so there's 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 five of us here. We have to come up with. A, I'm gonna say like okay. So say I'm the rogue and I narrowly or I did get hit right. Right. That's that's kind of the question that's going on. Yes. So I'm wearing leather armor. I'm still wearing armor, right? Very. Yeah, but it should be penetrated easy. So is it like, like do we cut a strap off? <laughs> well, I mean, does like leather armor hit? does still. Yeah, like it still has like you know it's still there. You can still say like something happens to the armor. Sim- just same as like say with the fighter with you know the full plate mail, like something happens to him and you know his his armor gets like you know, like shredded or taken off or whatever. Right. But even with leather armor, there's still like a chest piece or something. Well, the, the whole thing is I was, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like if you got a good solid hit on like leather, it's still going to like cut right through it. I think that's just meant to like cut like, well, that's getting back into the realism versus video Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're <laughs> yeah. delving into realism. You don't need to be going there. I guess. You I know, mean, you could just say it slashes the armor. You got a big gash in your armor now exposing, like there's exposing a, your flesh. There you yeah. go. Yeah, there's like a big old cut right in the middle. It's like, ooh, that almost so got So instead me. of talking about being the flesh being cut, maybe you're... Maybe you, or maybe whatever you're wearing is getting cut, or your weapons get damaged, or something. And then the reason that you're able to heal back up to full at the end of the night is you're just you spent repairing your, your armor, repairing your armor. Oh yeah, yeah. you're yeah. stitching that shit back together. <laughs> or, cast, or having to wish you cast a men's spell. Oh yeah, see, oh that, sure. that see, but there now now you're getting into why that sort of HP doesn't make sense because then why can't you just mend it all? Sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was playing the rogue and I kept using the whole thing and you know i narrowly dodged something but i still got burned on my leg Mm -hmm. or something when i was fighting fire elementals yeah Mm -hmm. i think uh, Mm -hmm. another thing to consider is they talk about bruises and wear mental fatigue maybe Mm -hmm. 
Oh, maybe. Okay, I got something. I got something. Oh. So let's say um, the enemy comes at you viciously, and your rogue twists and twists or twists and turns and dodges and manages to avoid um, a direct blow. That's all you say. Then the next time they make an attack and miss, oh, that last attack from that goblin really threw you off. You're kind of you can't see straight a little bit. Your eyes are blurred, so you miss that attack because that bastard hit you before. And that could be a good way to capture the the mental fatigue. Now, you're not really that's, adding any mechanic to it. You're just using, smart. hey, you missed. This is why. Because you, sure. you, you took a hit, but it didn't hit you physically. It it's meant like, it's wearing you out. It's Yeah. I mean, you're not, great. like I said, you're not, a, I don't know if that, that's about, about the best I've managed to come up with so far. I think what's just really important is the player's ability to separate what is being described from the mechanics of the game. Because, yeah. like, hit points are hit points. They're going to work exactly the same no matter <laughs> what you say. Yeah. yeah, but if you say, if you're if you're if a dodging a, t- a sort of character is getting attacked and they get hit, but you describe it as you you know you dodge the attack, but you're getting tired, you know a player that doesn't quite understand that that's a separate thing, yeah, will be like, well, I thought you said I didn't get hit. Why are you rolling damage? You know, but if right. you're explain right ahead, like hit points, this is the way hit points work. Like these are the mechanics of the game. They right. understand like I roll a d20, then I roll the damage, then I take the damage. That's that's how the game works. Yeah. But separate from that is you are, you know, very slowly wearing down your stamina and then you getting to zero is you getting hit the first and last time. Right. Yeah. Maybe you could you say know. like. Because like it's like before, you know, until you hit that that like uh below like the half mark right mm-hmm. you can always say I like, like he bloodied. he you know bloodied took that bloody. that blow really well but like he really felt it though like yep. similar to like it the whole dumbing through thing. his like yeah. his arm and bones and stuff you know like it, jarring maybe it felt like like ooh, you could feel the bone fracture a little bit but nothing happened yeah that's no, that's not bad. That's... Uh, it, and this is why this makes it hard because I've always been the person that oh you get a cut here, you get a twist angle there, you get a slit there, Which... your eyes all Rocky Balboa. There's blood running down it, and you know you can't see because it's so swollen, like there's a squirrel underneath there. Which I'm fine with that, <laughs> even though yeah. like that's but th- but that's the whole point, right? That's really not. That's saying how damaged your character is, which gets back to the initial issue of how can they recover from something like that so quick besides it's it's a game that's not that's what i've always chalked it up to is your your superheroes yeah like you guys are <laughs> that's quite yeah. literally how it is though you guys are heroes you're not a commoner mm, right you, know, you have these this limitless resources sometimes yeah. and heroes you know, are strong the, if, yep, go ahead if that's how the player is imagining themselves then that's just how it is it's like i am imagining my barbarian who is using his constitution for his ac is just he's taking the hits he's yeah. bloody as hell but you know what? He's got super healing. You know, he's just that tough. He could just yeah. get, like make himself so angry that he heals, you know, yeah. Yeah. And reduces and, like, the damage. Just, Barbarian don't yeah. care. He's just, <laughs> his muscles are so powerful and his constitution is so high that when the blade gets in, it doesn't even get in all the way. He's like, what is this? He's like, it's my pectoral. <laughs> Did you ever watch right. uh, 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 Bleach? Yeah. When they're fighting Zaraki Kenpachi and he slashes the guy with the sword and his sword just stops on his chest. He smiles and like the from the, the effort of swinging against him end up hurting the guy that swung it yeah. because the guy was so rock hard. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Actually, I remember hearing about one time where this uh, one bu- uh, bouncer at the bar who, who spent time in prison. But during his time in prison, he did he spent, spent all the time working out. So he got pretty jacked. And there was one time where a patron... Basically went nuts and pulled a handgun and shot the guy. 
his muscles stopped the bullets. <laughs> no way. It was it was not big caliber, mind you, but <laughs> dude, yeah. literally a man of steel. That is fantastic. Too bad he's in prison. Well, no, this was after he was in prison. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like get out to get um, shot. Anyway. Yeah, so. I think it should just be like you roll attack, you roll damage, like you get the mechanics out of the way first. You say, okay, deduct this many points from your sheet. Then you describe this is what happened or you or even let it in the player's hands as to how they got hit. Like in the way that you would say, like when you when an enemy gets dropped to zero, I don't know who started. I I got it from brute force and ignorance. Sure. So yeah, brute. So brute force. It was like if you if you you take an enemy down to zero, you let the player describe how they go down or something like that. Yeah. You can also let them describe how they got hit. Give them sure, a little bit. It's sure. like oh, you know, I, you know, I I, I take a you know full force in, in you know in the chest. Fine, you know, like, I want to be that badass. Mm-hmm. Or they could say like, well, I, I you know I managed to dodge it, but I kind of twist my ankle on the on the way down. You know? yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. I love that. To an extent, I kind of feel like uh, thinking this much about what exactly damage is is kind of uh it's kind of like an expert player activity sure i mean may- maybe there are new players that when they get stabbed and they take eight points of damage they're like whoa 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 my ca- how is my character still alive after getting stabbed by a sword <laughs> maybe there are players like that i haven't played with any players like that but i, I think when <laughs> learning the game you should just be like hey you take this many damage deduct that from your hit points and then maybe as they start getting more you know more more familiar with everything then you'd be like you know yeah you you took damage but it, you didn't necessarily get stabbed it was like you're getting winded and so yeah. on and so on and I mean, boromir took three arrows and he was still fighting I, there you go <laughs> only uh, three <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um the one thing that i uh experimented with uh recently because of this article actually because um, mm-hmm. i found this article like forever ago and uh in one of the games uh i was running i tried to describe more of the shuffling around and the 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 twisting and the turning and the and i tried to make it but one thing i learned that came out of that in my struggle to not say he you got stabbed i actually described a more interesting scenario and so maybe that's the secret it's easy to just say you get hit in the arm and then move on it's harder to actually describe the the transaction back and forth between the two because if there's one thing that i i don't know if you guys noticed but when i run my games i always constantly try to describe um how you're pushing back and forth towards the enemy and you you manage to swift around him and he, he trades blows with you and then when i go mm-hmm. to the next person's turn you see you know this barrage attacks coming from this cobalt as zorax turns and twists and, and you know manage to avoid the blade what do you do sort of moments which Thank you to Zipper on Disney for all the great uh, tools in that one. Um, <laughs> and I found that it forced me to make more interesting combat. And I think maybe that's the real goal of saying that it's not just you get stabbed and hit points for a meat bag. It's by having to make a, a, a conscientious thought of its luck, its armor, its uh, um stamina it's mental fatigue you can come up with more and it opens up the door of how many things you can describe i suppose we yeah. haven't even touched on damage types oh yeah oh jeff yeah, why yeah, <laughs> why do you have to make all, it more complicated whole, whole Gabe, Gabe, roll, roll an opposed athletics check i'm grappling with you i don't want to do it make the check right. do it uh Oh. I got a nine. I got a 13. Oh, so. he's got you wrangled. How do you have him grapple, yeah. Jeff? So psychic damage, you know, like if you're if you have 100 hit points, you take, you know, 
uh, 50 points of slashing damage yeah. and 50 points of psychic damage, you go down just as well as, you know, true. 100 true. points of slashing, or, you know. A shattered yeah. mind so, still cripples you. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> there's people in nursing homes that would agree with that. I mean... Yeah. What isn't it? What is it? Phantasmal force. That's not oh even. It's not even physical. It's just all straight in your head, and you're just freaking out until you literally just pass out. Yeah, like that's you yeah. totally made me feel like a douchebag for casting phantasmal force. <laughs> for me? Hey, yes. I don't remember that. What happened? The Duchess. The he, Duchess. He oh. made her think that you know his her husband was beating her. Yeah, until she was literally great. went down. I remember that. That <laughs> was like, hilarious. I'm like, I now feel like a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, they were uh, they were in the giant. They were raiding a giant's castle, and he cast phantasmal. Uh, Phantasmal force. Phantasmal force, and you talked about like her biggest fear or something. So she was beating, being beat to death by her husband, and he's like, oh, oh, "I feel goodness. so bad now." <laughs> I forgot about that. I am a dickhead. <laughs> I'm like, dude, man, domestic abuse is no joke. <laughs> it is not. But then, <laughs> but, but then, plot twist: I cast phantasmal force on her husband. I'm like, this guy's a dick. He deserves it. But then he yeah. started being fearing his wife beating him to death. <laughs> They had a very abusive relationship. I'm saying, going, what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, the last thing I want to touch on here is endurance. Now, this is something that I have personally been using for a long time. I love hit dice. I love exhaustion. But the Mm -hmm. one thing that I really like to do um, is for spellcasters. The one thing that never really um, jived with me is how... Why is there a limit on spellcasters like a mage who all of his power just comes from the weave, right? You just know yeah. how to do this stuff. So I don't, I got, I tried to remember the red book that I read like nine years ago or eight years ago. But um, in that book, the spellcasters had to build up stamina. And because mm. pulling it was from, Aragon. it was not Aragon, but they do that too. Yeah. That's I should have just went with that because that was better. It's actually inspired me from another book, but that one does it too, where in order to cast a uh, – I'll use Aragon as an example too. Uh, in order to cast a spell, you have to use the same amount of physical effort from your body that it would take to do it through mundane means. And so when your body hasn't isn't used to drawing on that much power, it exhausts mm-hmm. quickly. So that's why a caster with two – spell slot starts to get winded and they start to move sluggishly and make more mistakes when they use up both their spell slots or even one versus somebody that's got 10 spell slots they've built up the maggie is another one the anime maggie they make them go through physical effort to uh to re-strengthen their bodies for that same reason you just and there's some bad sorry Uh, there just made me think of like uh a mage who's like level one he's all like this like scrawny guy like me and then you go to like this mage who's like you know level 12 he's he just opens up his shirt he's completely chiseled <laughs> under there he's like yeah yeah i've been doing this for a while well and, and... it's like what do you do i cast spells <laughs> what <laughs> Prince calories uh, <laughs> maggie's maggie's a maggie's a good one but anyways um so this is something that i've always done not just from a, a, a normal sense of the 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 fighter characters but from the spellcaster because that's a good way to um keep them in mind how they're exhausting their resources because i mean are you guys aware of a reason for that limit because it can't be just knowledge because you can give them a book full of yeah. balance it's game <laughs> well so is anybody familiar with the Discworld series terry pratchett not i yet. have three of the books on my shelf that i've not read yet yeah along with about <laughs> 300 other books that are probably on your shelf you haven't read yet you're not wrong yeah. <laughs> It's a great, it's a great series. And like, they have wizards in that world, but like the wizards in that world are actually more like 
closely related to like a D&D wizard where you have like mental slots. Like they kind of describe it that way. And like a really powerful spell just takes up your brain. Yeah. Like huh. you just like you only have so much room in your brain for magic. And that's just how magic works in that world to they, where like that's there is a there is a wizard that accidentally read a spell that was such a high level that he cannot do anything else. Oh, my. That's awesome. That's and cool. like, yeah, that's like actually he doesn't he doesn't ass. know what it is. Yeah. He doesn't know what it's going to do. He just knows it's very powerful and it almost accidentally comes out several times. Like he starts to say the, 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 like the incantation and then he's like, no, 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 wait. Like, I don't know what this is going to do. This is beyond my level. Oh my goodness. But oh shoot. So our character concept for, <laughs> right. well, no, yeah. So like he can't, he can't cast or use any other spells because his brain is just completely filled. I, uh, cool. That's so actually how cool. fancy and magic worked in the original novels. That, it came from in and, D&D. And magic, uh, magic of the Gathering does it that way. I've yeah. read a bunch of the magic books, and I remember uh, a specific one I read where he says that everyone imagines it differently. But for me, it's a giant tower, and each floor stores a spell. And so I imagine mm-hmm. that tower, and I pull from that room and that floor, and I can unleash the spell. And I can only hold so much in that before my body starts to get, like, taxed. So that, to me, is a great re- uh, use of endurance. Really? cool yeah like way to, to think that, that, was, that was... yeah when he was trying to teach the oh. guy how to spell cast that was like this is how i do it but for for you it could be something different you just figure out a mental way to store it or whatever anyways my mind or, palettes my yeah. mind palettes <laughs> or kind of a similar way i remember reading the wheel of time series like obviously we see in D D there's like um the verbal components or the somatic ones where you do hand gestures and they even talk about how in that novel series like yeah we came across this one group of people who attempted to cast a fireball they always do like the thrusting hand motion forward, but this group over here, they don't even have to do it because they don't need to because the thrusting motion kind of helps this one group picture how the spell how works, the spell works. <laughs> mechanically, even though yeah. they don't actually have to do it. Right. <laughs> that happens in Aragon too, yeah. where like the, the elves are so proficient that Where's... most most people have to speak the words and do it uh, like a motion to help them ensure they don't slip up because if they say the wrong word or the song, boom, something goes wrong. Um, so they, they verbalize everything and then he gets into a fight with somebody that just fucking blast him away without saying nothing he's like i didn't know you could do that just because they're saying it just helps with the mental image to properly execute right. the spell you don't actually have to do it right. it just helps is there the uh <laughs> is there anything uh uh else on this this was a little bit different than the original topic but i thought it kind of fit and was something i wanted sure. to discuss yeah um what one thing that i actually i it occurred to me a little while ago but it was after we had already moved on beyond the the part we were talking earlier about uh princess bride when when wesley's fighting uh fighting Inigo Mm -hmm. there's a point in that battle where you know they're fighting they're fighting they seem to be evenly matched but then Inigo Montoya he says you know I I have a secret I'm not left-handed and then he switches to his right Ah, hand now he's got the upper hand and then Wesley says oh I'm not left-handed either (laughs) just occurred to me that could very easily be the result of them losing hit points oh yeah they were both losing hit points when Inigo got too low the fatigue of using his left hand got too high so he had to switch over to using what is more easier, what is easier for him. And then he got Wesley down to the point where he had to do the same thing. I like that. So just something to think about. I think that that is a it that whole encounter between them is kind of a masterclass in how different ways to view hit points just as fatigue. Damage, and, and so yeah. on. You can also see that as them being them healing themselves. Very. Yes. Oh. <laughs> they both are probably fighters Switch back to their strong their yeah they're both right, pa- yeah, they must both exactly. be they must both i was gonna say they both must be paladins and they just touch themselves <laughs> right or fighters can use uh 
Give me a second. Right. Need a breather. <laughs> Anyways, <I'm ready. laughs> um, do we have anything else overall that we missed that anybody wants to talk about on health, armor, and endurance? I would say, if I had to personally summarize this entire thing in one sentence, okay. it would be, it's a game. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yep. Seconded. I agree. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. But worry they, about it if worrying about it makes the game more fun for you. But it is a game. And yep. people forget the game half <laughs> all yeah. the time. I feel like, well, not everybody, some people anyway, but you get what I'm saying. And that's and that's that's really the, the point. It's people do worry about these things. So we are here to help. But mm-hmm. I want you to know that we don't agree with you. It's a game. Just deal with it. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it really is. It's not. Don't try to really. I remember I had a really smart guy in my group, and I I I said something, and he's like, "Well, that's really you said this, you know, four rounds ago." And I'm just like, "Dude, I don't remember. I don't care. Right. He's within range right. now. Fuck off." It just, <laughs> it's just like have fun describing these things, and yeah. like it's it's fun to debate like exactly how each way it would work. But like in the end, hit points are going to work exactly the same way. It's in yep. the rules. They're mechanics right. that that like that dictate this. Like it's. You're not going to change the way you got hit. You know, like, <laughs> no, I would still be standing if, right. if we took my armor's right. defense into account. It's like they rolled 12 damage. You had 12 hit points left. You are yeah. at zero. That is all that you really need to know. The descriptions are just fun. Yeah. Sure. And They're now so Bane fun. is going to pick you up and break your back. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, well, I think we will do it for our main topic today. Health, armor, and endurance for tabletop games. If you disagree with us, please send a letter to the complaint department, and I will entitle it "Health, Armor, and Endurance," so I can immediately send it to the trash can. Um, I'm cool with that. I just realized something. The, the Super Bowl is next week, right? I don't know. I don't watch sports. I, I'm I not think cool so. Enough. I think it's a week from. That's when Patreon tells us nobody's oh, going to be here. <laughs> nobody comes anyway. It's usually just tater making fun of us. <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll have to move that around anyways that'll do it for our not. main topic today um before we move on to our final topic we have another gift to give away compliments of jeff stevens we are giving away another copy of encounters on the savage seas revolutionize your game with this collection of 16 mini, mini adventures and it includes npcs locations creatures and magics all with a nautical theme it's very cool who is our winner today jeff Winner today is Spencer Bray 3. We did it. Yeah, congratulations, Spencer. You are the winner. Of all the people, you are the best. Um, (laughs) So congratulations. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Jeff Steves know just by taking a minute to leave a review. If you didn't win, have no fear because Crit Academy is here. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff Stevens and get Encounters on the Savage Seas 3 for free. Yes, I said it. That way we don't leave anybody out. Now, if you already got it last week, well, uh, sorry, you're out of luck. I don't got anything else. <laughs> we only have so many bags in our... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not made of, I'm not made of money. I can't make it rain on anybody not anymore. We have only so many tricks in our I'll, bag of holding. Yeah, I haven't even seen a 20 since I got married. <laughs> so, I love you, honey. And, and all the 20s, you, I make rain on you. I don't even see a paycheck. It just disappears. Like, I know they send it, but who knows? Anyways, so congratulations. Uh, now moving on to our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, where we bring you new and reusable material for you to bring with you on our, your next adventure. 
our character concept is brought to you by Interparty Conflict. Who would like to tell us about the broken Warforged? Um, well, so so I wrote this out, but it is very much based on a character that Jeff is currently playing I in suspected. our Everon game that we started a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, what did you Tell write me. about me? What is going uh, on? Here? Well, I wrote about how Jeff is lame. And... <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Wait, what? I deleted that part so I would protect you, man. Oh, you got to give okay, it away. Okay. Do you want me to to take point and you can chime in with yeah, relevant sure. details? Sure. Okay. Why, why not? So, um, this, so this this was based on a an Eberron character. So it is the Broken Warforged. And uh, so the character is a living construct created to fight in a war that is now over. Each Warforged has to struggle to live in a world that no longer needs them. Each one holds scars left over from the battles they fought. Some of those scars run deeper than others. <laughs> so for this character, you're going to make a Warforged. I guess in theory you can make it something else, but for this it's a Warforged. And then make them either a wild magic sorcerer or hexblade warlock. In our Ooh. case, Jeff is both. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, they uh, they each hold immense power, but the power doesn't come from their bloodline or an otherworldly patron. Instead, the source of this character's wild and dangerous power is the very magic that holds their broken body together. Oh, that's awesome. Despite ostensibly being at full hit points, the broken Warforged has been damaged beyond repair, and now magic is seeping out of every crack. <gasps> if you took the wild magic sorcerer route, their wild surge is their body's magical energies lashing out whenever they cast a spell. If you use the Hexblade Warlock, then their patron isn't the magic isn't the magic weapon in their hand. The patron is their body, which may be developing a mind of its own, contrary to the character's own wishes. <laughs> so again, in, in Jeff's case, both. Yes, that is awesome. <laughs> uh, so whatever spells you cast, you can flavor them along this theme. For example, Jeff, what do you do when you cast Dancing Lights? Right. So yeah, Dancing Lights because Dancing Lights, you know, creates like the four orbs or whatever. But mm -hmm. you can also create like a sort of image like a humanoid like image or something like that so i kind of like been flavoring any time we cast a spell as like the like this discharge from the warforged body is sort of you know acting out in these ways it's like taking like a humanoid form right yeah and rushing at the enemy to attack them or whatever right yeah so you like cast a spell and it shoots out this like you know this warforged shape image that goes and hits the enemy that is way yeah. cooler than mine <laughs> <laughs> i made a warforged sorcerer once and when i took dancing lights he just had an exhaust pipe in his ass and it came out of that <laughs> but this well, is way okay. cooler that's, that's, that's different approach <laughs> right it's only hands. right <laughs> that is so so on, on on this you you so what inspired this idea i don't I, well i don't know exactly what started it i well because i was wasn't sure if i was going to be playing a warforged because mm -hmm. it was an eberron thing i was like well this is the time to use warforged so then yeah. I, of course i was thinking of not using one just to throw <laughs> game for <free. laughs> Like I'm always, I'm always trying Gabe's to get Gabe to let me play Warforged up. in other campaign settings. Yeah. But finally, when we're playing Eberron, I'm like, I think I might play, oh. I don't know, an orc. What if, what if this was the campaign where finally I was like, no, Jeff, you cannot <laughs> play a Warforged. <laughs> I've been too oh, benevolent to you already. Yeah. yeah. And for reasons why we won't go into, because it's just sort of weird. Uh, but like we were just like, hey, well, let's all let's all be two levels of warlock and one level of something. I mean, else. the reason is two levels of warlock is awesome, right? So true. everybody got two free levels of warlock. Yeah, we we're oh, just nice. like, and it was just sort of an interesting way to, you know, I was like, okay, how do I, how do I make it? Like, what makes sense as a like spell casting, uh, uh, warforged, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I was also looking into wild magic 
sorcerer, yeah. which I think is one of the worst. We we've, we've made some changes to I how love it functions. It. What are you but, talking uh, about? I like the concept behind it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it it relies so much on the DM putting the entire game in danger, which the the DM is doesn't want to do. The the, yeah. the DM doesn't want to act like roll a dice and have everybody die to a to a random fireball. Oh, fireball centered on you. Sorry guys, campaign's over. You're, right, you're exactly. more like, yeah. I don't want to that. put that in Gabe's you know hands so we've made some changes to it and then it just sort of kind of went from there like i get an idea of a character build and then i build the character from there and i was like all right what'll be a cool way for a like what makes sense as a warforged sorcerer because right. like your sorcerer powers come from your bloodline or something mm-hmm. like that like but a mm-hmm. warforged yeah, was built so it's like okay it was built but now it's malfunctioning it's a, like a malfunctioning robot it's like the um the terminals in a in a Star Trek ship that just explode for no reason. Sure. You know? like, oh, okay. <laughs> so like you know, like oh, his man. his spells are his like you know just his his you know quote unquote circuitry. I love just it. Kind of discharging. And then I think just as we played it, it became more of like a a consciousness than it might have originally been intended as. Yeah. I kept forgetting Jeff's character's name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I named him Kaput. Yeah. And. <laughs> I don't know why, but I kept wanting to call him Havoc. Yeah, it's not even close to Kaput. (laughs) Not even close. I have no clue. It's not even like, oh, it's the next men thing. No, no. I just, I just kept. I don't know why. And but anyway, I voiced my 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 concern about my constantly wanting to call him Havoc, and I it was either you or Steve. Yeah, like I was like, well, why don't we just we'll call we'll call that like after image that that, yeah. g- that ghostly image that comes out when I cast spells that that is havoc. Right. So like, so my, like possibly the other consciousness that's trying to take control. Yeah, is that's cool. Right. I think uh, that's awesome that you, he, he bended to your inability to say the name, but not <laughs> yeah. just so new yeah. Patreon reward, get a shirt that says my name's not havoc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign Jeff. Go. I'll have to admit, this is a fun concept, and that actually reminds me of, I never actually played this character, but I once thought of one where, in a nutshell, Warforged Sorcerer, who's uh, the dragonblood kind, but the idea is they're powered by dragonblood because it's magical. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Sure. Yeah, they got, like, like a there's the idea that, like, uh, yeah. uh, Warforged have some of, like, an alchemical, like circulatory system you know right. like where you know their their blood is al- alchemy or something so like the mm. alchemy could be could be dragon blood. Yeah. dragon blood. when i was uh it big into cool. seven deadly sins one of my sorcerers <laughs> got his power from drinking the blood of demons and that's mm. how some of the guys there get their power and uh they just drink more demon blood so every time i leveled up it's like ain't nobody watching ah <laughs> oh, it's the good stuff <laughs> and then there's escanor <laughs> i haven't seen that he just, just said seven deadly sins. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the per- I thought you were talking like an anime. I was like, I don't know what that is. Uh, uh, anyway, so I think that'll do it for this character con. Awesome character concept, by the way. Yeah, that's brilliant. So officially, I Gabe, I expect one every single week for all until our show, if it does ever end, um, because this is better. <laughs> I, I mean, I got a bunch own. of them. I can. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah, send them to me. There you okay. go. Yes. You can submit them yeah. to you can submit it to critacademy at gmail dot com and and may end up on the show. <laughs> Anything that saves me work. Uh, anyways, uh, that'll do it for our character concept. The fuck, what's it called? Broken Warforged. The Broken Warforged. Yeah. Just like my memory. <laughs> Austin, would you like to tell us about the monster variant? Sure can. Let's see. So the monster variant today is the Merolith Apprentice. Put some emotion behind it, buddy. I'm counting on you. Once more with feeling. 
was the Merilith apprentice. There, there we go. go. <laughs> Six armed serpent serpentine. Yep. Terror serpentine. delights in hacking enemies to pieces with its swords, doing so with horrifying ease and astonishing grace. These creatures are often mistaken as Medusa by adventurers due to their female upper form and snake-like lower half. Unfortunately, when they make the mistake of turning their eyes away, they are then sliced into ribbons. The Meriliths are obsessed with mastering martial skills and often take trophy weapons from particularly challenging and fierce opponents, then hiding them away for only their eyes. That's you guys. When you die, that's you. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) We're like, this is mine. So can you tell us where this thing comes from? So this was originally the Salamander. Um, It's lost or changed features. is fire immunity becomes only resistance. Uh, It loses cold weakness. Uh, We change from elemental to fiend. And the spear becomes the short sword. Uh, heated cool. body and weapons becomes weapon dance. Change the damage to slashing. Remove fire damage and change it to weapon slashing damage. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, new features. It can parry, which is terrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Merilith adds five to its AC against one melee attack that would hit it. To do so, the Merilith must see the attacker and be wielding a melee weapon. Which it should have. If it does not, it's got six hands. Wrong. It better have at least yeah. one. <laughs> I hope. Right. Oh man, I hope this doesn't mean it can parry like six times. No, one reaction. Well, I, I had mean, considered that though. Yeah, I was gonna say like, oh, that'd be that'd be whack. Well, because I almost wanted it to be where it boosts the AC like shield, mm-hmm. where it stays up until the next turn. But I realized that would quickly imbalance the character to have an entire round where its AC was ridiculously high. Yeah. Although I'm now picturing a wizard going parry this, you effing casual fireball. <laughs> <laughs> fireball. <laughs> Uh, and it gets Shroud of Steel. The Merilith's weapons twirl in the air as it, as if to fend off incoming strikes before they arrive, and countering with quick, unexpected swipes. Uh, when the Merilith takes the dodge action and an enemy makes a melee attack against it, the Merilith can use its reaction to make a melee weapon attack against the creature as a reaction. Sounds like General Grievous almost. <laughs> um, sure, yeah. go with that. <laughs> Wasn't the intent. Um, just big old so, spinny sword. And just... <laughs> That's what I env- I didn't envision the, the General Grievous, but the kind of the, the swirling mm-hmm. of blades all are. What do you guys think about this over that inter-party conflict? I think it sounds really cool. Sounds very cinematic and, and pretty badass. Yeah, probably be pretty good at taking out several Jedi at once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. see what you did there. Um, so the Merilith is a very high monster, but sometimes... Are, we don't get to those higher levels, so I've been trying to yeah. bring some of those higher level monsters to lower level variants because they don't start that strong, right? They gotta get mm-hmm. they gotta mm-hmm. get up to that level. So this one was a nice kind of balance. I actually, I, one of these days, I just need to film myself going through my thought process when I make these things because <laughs> there was so much shit going on in my head. I must have rewritten it like five times. But sure. um, it, one of the challenges I had was the the heated body. I was like, well, it's not giving off heat. I was like, shit. It isn't giving off heat. It's war blades are just swirling randomly and gonna cut somebody. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. There was in in fourth edition, there was a fighter ability you could get that you it gave you like just for the rest of the encounter, anyone within five within five feet of you just took a D eight damage every round because your swords are just constantly just going slashing everywhere. Around. I love that. <laughs> Very much General Grievous. You are right. Ah, mm-hmm. I got it. Get uh, and we might point out the. Animated micro series, Gerald Grievous. Yes, <laughs> the good one. The good one. <laughs> the good right, one. Yeah. What was yeah. wrong with the one in the movie? Have you watched the micro series? <laughs> no, but yeah. Oh I yeah, like, like the the micro series General Grievous was like one of was like one of my favorite scenes in a cartoon. It was great. It was, it was like so, a horror movie. It was yeah, amazing. Made, like, super terrifying, and he took he took on like you know eight Jedi by himself at once and yeah. one. 
Yeah, there's a reason why in the movies he's not depicted nearly as well in like the micro series, or even as compared to the Clone Wars TV or, series. Yeah, it's like, like he's, it's, it's like he's a joke, but in this original micro series, he was a freaking terror, which was the yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. I did like that he got shot in the heart. Like yeah. right there, that's got to be like a critical hit because of all the armor and blades and everything on his body, he managed to hit the one spot that would kill him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I really like this monster. It's definitely designed to be able to uh, be one of the uh, the like a leader of a pack of weaklings or minions or something like well, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the the detail in this where uh, you said it looks like a Medusa. So what if players didn't know what it was away? and they're like, oh god, we can't look sure. at it. And so they're imposing disadvantage on themselves by attacking blindly. Oh, that would wreck their shit. Yeah, be hardcore. That's how I yep. roll, baby. Actually, so most of that's just the uh, 4E descriptions, but you know. <laughs> also, 4E is awesome if you're looking for some new combat ideas. I really do yeah. think 4E was underrated, and people didn't give it the fair shot it deserved. Yep. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that'll. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about about this monster? Would you uh, use it? I think I'm good. Yeah. Damn right you would. Um. I, I had a question. So in the in the notes, I, I put because there was already an encounter. So I put mine as an alternate. Are we going with the alternate or going with the original? Uh, I guess. it. How about the alternate? So you can use the original for something else. Sure. Okay. I really like that one, though. Sad it's going to be used today. Next week. I suppose. Let, let's work for you next week. Let us hear, Gabe, about the encounter of the podcast, the Cog Carnival. Yes. Um, so this is, again, something from our, our Eberron game. In, in the Rising from the Last War book, there is a location mentioned called the Cog Carnival. The encounter I have isn't quite that, but it, I did name it after that. Hmm. So the party is in a dirty, seedy part of town, either in search of something or just passing time on their way through the city. When they emerge from the local market, they're surprised to find... A carnival? Question mark. <laughs> In addition to foods and food and drink, this bustling attraction has an assortment of games of skill and chance. A game where you throw a ball to knock down milk bottles. Another where you hit a lever with a hammer to try and ring a bell at the top. A game where you toss rings onto various pegs. Each one would be best represented by an ability check um, of varying difficulty, and the winner gets money or a trinket. But remember. If they were easy, the carnival would go out of business, and some of them just might be impossible. <laughs> but the games aren't there all to see. Aren't aren't all there is to see. Each station is run by a barker of questionable values, and the crowds are sure to attack, attract the attention of pickpockets and cut persons. <laughs> attack. That is, if those vagabonds aren't in the employ of the carnival itself. Ooh, Maybe while the barker is telling you about this game that, oh, well, you should just try again. You know, you failed because you didn't. You need to throw them with more of an arc. Maybe while that's happening one of their buddies is sneaking around to, you know, reach Hopefully inside your pocket. Stealing passive, magical uh, weapons. Passive perception yep. must be good because uh, oh, otherwise man. you're losing your stuff. Sure, sure. Um, and then you can consider having the party's participation be somehow mandatory. Perhaps they seek information from an informant who will only cooperate if the party proves their skill. Or maybe they accidentally run afoul of one of the local toughs who doesn't like these new faces getting all this attention at the carnival. Ooh. So, just kind of Basically, it's it's a carnival, but an explicitly seedy and crooked carnival. Dude, I love this. Um, one thing that uh, thing I see posted in groups a lot is I've given out too many magic items. What do I do? They're too powerful. Well, I know I, I know a fun place they can go visit now. Um, sure, I think this is fantastic because the the there's 
I don't know if I've, I heard this on your show or if I just read it in an article, but adventurers are so carrying so much value on them. There's no reason that they wouldn't be the target of constant muggings and banditry sure. and theft and everything. Now, some DMs would be like, oh, you can't take away their stuff they work so hard for. Well, they better work better to guard it. Put it in a dimensional pocket. Get rid of it. Go put it in a don't carry it around. Actually, I just yeah. Funny you mentioned that because in a game I just played, I actually lost my magical bow. <laughs> Get, but, but basically, we had a TPK, and when I got knocked unconscious, our fight, me and the fighter who were by ourselves, got ambushed by a gang, and he basically kicked me into a river that was flowing by <laughs> while, while I was unconscious in order to give me a chance to maybe survive. And your bow floated away? No, I floated away. Oh, <laughs> somebody picked it up. Man, Get, that sucks. Well, well, I was unconscious. And, and dropped is uh, right, was logic right. given, but yeah. I some I made the rolls to survive. So <laughs> yeah, well, life is greater than magical items. Some would say. I was like, no, I paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is a fantastic idea. I love that it. This is basically to me is a, a sort of skill challenge that could lead to a combat encounter. Um, what I think would be really great is if it did is like somehow the uh, all the little games like transformed into like traps. Like, you know, you got, okay. like, the ring toss. Instead, like, spikes come out the bottom and they try to knock you out to them or something like that. Um, yeah. This just sounds really cool. So did you did you come up uh, – you mentioned this is from an Emberon campaign. Is this something you came up with or was this, an, like, an adventure you ran? Well, so so in the adventure I was running, they there is a place called the Cog Carnival. And right, it right. mentions that there are games they can play. But it's basically just the players are supposed to go there just to meet with somebody to mm-hmm. talk to them. Um, and I think I – I decided that the players got there a little early. So I, I let them, you know, play some games. One of the people in the group accidentally insulted one of the, one of the Warforged there. That you, Jeff? <laughs> there was a bit of an altercation, but also I ran a, an adventure several years ago where I, there was a big festival going on. And so I sat down and I came up with a bunch of, of games the, the party could play. And it made the, the session so much more memorable because it's like, it's not just, yeah, sure. Roll a die. Okay, you win some gold. It was like, oh, okay. Um, you, yeah, you rolled high enough. But the guy who's standing in front of the, you know, the the dunk take, he's a monk, and he uses this thing to deflect the the ball away. Uh-huh. And so I was I was able to to think of interesting ways to make games for the the group to play. And I think it really really made the game a lot more fun. Yeah. What do you oh. think about that, Austin? Uh, I agree. Actually, like that does like it can create just like these like really fun and like memorable like situations that you can just kind of mm-hmm. give to your party. And I think it would be hilarious if like, you know, the cog carnival, like, Oh, well, you know, this was great and all, but it's a giant trap. And, uh, this sucks. Sure. Could you, sure. it's built on top of a Sarlacc pit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Could you imagine if the, the players got pilfered and didn't notice it? And, um, or not the players, the characters wouldn't notice. Players probably notice. Cause you're going to tell them to move the shit from their inventory, but the characters don't notice. And they're just walking through the carnival and it's at one of the rewards on the, on the thing. And they got to play, they got to play the game to get their item back. <laughs> Yes. Wow, that amulet is just like my amulet. Let yeah. me win it. Oh, well, that's actually a relic from my great, great, great ancestors. So it can't possibly be yours. It's been in my family. Right. Looks at his clock for generations. <laughs> Could be that the carnival is like built to be a scam, but it's to it's built to scam commoners and isn't really okay. set up for adventurers who have levels and skill and yeah. skill proficiencies yeah. and stuff like that. So right. when the players show up and start winning everything, then like... <laughs> All the carnies get like, we're like getting really mad and the carnival starts to send like people out to, 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 to like 
try and push them out or yeah. fight them or I something. I like that. Hey, get the bouncer. We need this guy yeah. out of here. <laughs> Someone go clean his teeth. <laughs> Rub them out. <laughs> um, I think that'll do it for the encounter of the podcast. Uh, what did you call this? The Cog the Carnival? Cog Carnival. The Cog Carnival. Yeah. Our magic item of the podcast is the Sword of Greenwall. This is a <laughs> weapon, very rare scimitar. Emblazoned with the sword's command word in druidic, blossom vines of the sacred mother. This thin emerald blade empowers the wielder to unleash nature's retribution upon her enemies. Small seeds at the end of its hilt can be seen blossoming and falling off when its power is released, then regrowing the next dawn. Um, so before I get into the mechanics of this, I totally stole this from Interparty Conflict. <laughs> they were having a discussion. Sort of. Um... And somehow you guys led into the, the, the sort of green wall during this magic item debate. With, I was uh, just making up a name. I was looking around the room and being like the sort of uh, green wall because <laughs> we're recording in a room with green wall. <laughs> right. And so uh, you guys started throwing back ideas of what it should do. I was like, oh, my God, that sounds awesome. And they're going to be on our show. I got to do this. So <laughs> I tossed perfect. this bad boy together. Um, so first of all, before I even get into it, what do you think of the flavor? Uh, sounds great. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I yeah. like the fact that the command word is written in druidic. Yeah. That was a oh, very nice yeah. touch. Yeah. Very, very nice I, touch. I originally was going to make it a tune to, uh, to druids, but I figured eh, it doesn't have to be. And most druids yeah. don't really use weapons anyway. <laughs> Much. They, 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 use, they always carry a scimitar, don't they? When they're not casting spells or wild Yeah, but this, this, is, this, is, this is good. So anyways, so as a bone <laughs> action... You can speak this magic sword's command word. And I love that I gave it a little bit of flavor because I imagine the player saying, Blossom, vines of the sacred mother, or some BS like that. And you know exactly what kind of shit's about to go down. Um, At least after the first time. (laughs) Um, Causing thorns to erupt from the blade. While the sword is jagged and sharp with thorns, it deals an extra 1d6 poison damage to any target it hits. The thorns last until you use a bonus action to speak the command word again, or until you drop or sheath the weapon. Now, the sword has 10 charges and regains 1d6 plus 4 expended charges daily at dawn. That's when the, the little flowers regrow, or the little seeds regrow, which was not something somebody mentioned in the show, too. Like, oh, I think it was might have been Jeff. You can have little seeds or something growing on the end of it. I was like, that's awesome! Yeah, it's just a way to keep track of the charges. You, know? you, you inspired yeah. me, good sir. Um, anyways, so... Um, if you expend the last charge, roll a d20, and out of one, the sword turns into rotted wood and is destroyed, which I is like a, there is a pretty common theme among mages' staffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. spells. While holding this sword, you can use an action to expend some of the, its charges to cast one of the following spells from it. Ensnaring Strike for one charge per spell level, meaning you can boost it up a little bit at your own risk. Um, mm-hmm. Or... Uh, up to fourth level, can't go higher than that. That's a limit that was pretty common in some other things too. Uh, spike growth for three charges, um, and the spells cast from it have a DC of fifteen. So you get two new features from this in addition to the normal damage. Now, for the template of this, I use like the flame brand sword or the flame tug sword, but I'd had mm-hmm. it do less damage since you can scale it and it does other things. So instead sure. of being like two d six damage, it's one d six. But um, what what do you guys think about the the mechanics of of this? Uh, I I think it's great. I think it it it's easy to understand. It's uh, it's very clear what it does. It I love it. It's it's great. I think this is a very very well put together uh, magic item. 
I I like the potency for uh, all it, that it has for being a very rare item as well. Like it's mm-hmm. it does feel like a very rare. Item. It doesn't feel like a legendary item. It doesn't feel like just a rare item. It feels like where it should be too. Sure. Well, I'm glad you agree because that's kind of where I landed. <laughs> um, what about you, Ian? Sounds like some really fun stuff can be committed with this thing. Yeah, I almost gave it vine wit too. I was like, nope, that's too much. I was, I will keep it. We'll keep it simple, stupid. I also like yeah. the whole like poison damage thing, and I just want to imagine like if you just like leave the thorns in there long enough, they start growing inside. Oh, they them start stuff. to sprout. Oh, oh that's yeah. awesome. <gasps> you could totally. You could totally give it like uh, combine it with uh, another spell like can uh, hold person and just reflavor it as your your thing sprouting from a previous attack. Oh, that totally needs to be a player tip. Intermingling your descriptions. Damn, I should write that down because I'm certainly not going to remember. <laughs> well, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Maybe the players use this sword to kill some bad guy in a dungeon or whatever, and then they they kill them. They leave the body there, and then they have to come back to that dungeon a few levels later. And when they come back, the whole place is overrun with vines and, and thorns and whatnot because some of the thorns left behind in that corpse started to grow and then it grew so large, now they have to clear out all... The, maybe it has spawned, like, Vegapygmies or some other, like, plant creature that now they have to fight. Oh, and, like, the corpse of that dude like is, like, intermingled in it or something. based clone of the thing you killed. Ooh, oh, there you I go. I love that. Or it's just like a pl- living, like he was saying, a living plant with like the body of whatever you killed, kind of wrapped mm. in, ra- it's mingled inside of it. And the only reason I thought yeah. that is because I don't know if you guys Bot- have seen Botan Sonic Zombie. X at all, but Sonic X was not. on 4Kids a long time ago, and there's a scene in there, and it's so weirdly terrifying because it's a bunch of dudes who like had, like, they're like almost like getting absorbed by trees, and there's like 12 of them, and they're all saying they're dying in like the trees, like inside their veins and stuff. It's so weird. Just look mm, it up. It's geez. like a kid's Sonic show. has got pretty hardcore. <laughs> that was back in like 2000, like, I don't know, like four. That's so crazy. That makes me think of Over the Garden Wall, actually. My uncle it was like, oh my god. And that's the, the where I thought of. I was like, yeah. this is so weird and terrifying. And did you notice there's no actual like nature based like sword like there is for the ice brand and flame tongue? So I thought that this yeah. was a great addition to that. Yeah. So Yeah. I love it. You're welcome, Watsy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our magic item. Gabe, would you like to tell Gabe or Jeff? I don't know which one want to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip here. Um, I'll tell you about this one. So uh, once again, this is something that came up in our recent Eberron game. And the tip is. (laughs) Sorry, I just read it. Yeah, sorry. The tip is called orange points or you can call them red points or green points or clear points, whatever, whatever you want. I'll explain what they are. So inspiration. Do you use inspiration? Yes. Could you be using it more? Yes. Probably. If you're like me, you forget to give players inspiration if you know what it is at all. And even then, the players forget to use it. So what to do? Well, here's what I recommend. Get a few distinctly colored D20s, one for each player. In my case, I have a set of four orange D20s. And so they're not for normal rolling. Instead, you keep them in front of you so they're in plain sight. And whenever a player does something worthy of inspiration, toss them one of those D20s. So one of those orange D20s goes to the players. You get an orange point, is what I say. Now, when that player wants to use their inspiration, they roll that special d20 along with their normal d20. Once they use it, hand it back to the DM, who puts it right back in plain view. Because you're making inspiration a physical, tangible thing, kept in plain view where everyone can see it, it'll be easier to remember to give it out and easier for the player to remember to use it. It'll keep inspiration from just being like, 
oh, right, I have inspiration. I guess I'll roll again. And now it's like, whoa, I get to roll this special die. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. Um, I'm one. Of, I'm one of the few that likes to use inspiration often. Um, but yeah. I do think I use it often, but I think you're right. I could do it a little more. Um, sure. I love the idea of it being a tangible, something people can see cause it's a constant reminder. Um, yeah. then again, I have that tea light for concentration and we still forget. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's a great idea. Having some sort of tangible item as a reminder definitely will help. Uh, and I think that could be used in other things. That's not just, uh, oh, yeah. inspiration. I could see having a green dye that I pass out when you're poisoned. Okay. Um, or, uh, 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 or, or on, is on fire a thing in 5e? I don't know. I yeah. don't think. Yeah. In some you're, cases, yes. you're burning here. Here's a red dye. You're on fire. Sure. <laughs> and tick it over every time you take damage. Actually, Kevin, the, the green dye for, for poison makes sense because like when you're when you have the poison condition, you're it disadvantage. disadvantage, yeah. So you're rolling that as your disadvantage. Oh, I didn't even think that sure. much into it. I was just like, I want a reminder. That's cool. I like that. I was just thinking the green wall sword, green, green yeah. is poison. Sure, sure. <laughs> kind of in the same vein, my Monday games I play in, one of our GMs, they alternate every week, does give poker chips at the beginning of the adventure each night, say, mm -hmm. this is your inspiration point. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Nice. Um, This is a great tip, uh, Gabe. Well done. Thank do you. you do this in your game, or was this something yeah, you we, thought we, of? We just started it in this one, and so I, I think yeah. I think we'll keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. But, like most of our ideas, they kind of start off as like a little joke, and you're like, you know what? That actually works. Yeah. Yep. And this definitely works. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Orange points. Orange points. Or red points. Woo or green points. Or clear points. Or whatever. Or whatever, kind of you whatever you have extra dice of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Not extra. Go buy a special one. This is baby. Special. Or, sure. I mean, I. I don't. I. I guess you could just I, buy a idea. Bunch of yeah. sure. Or you had those like really weird colored dice. I always get from like a pound of dice bag or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. You can have the fugly die. <laughs> this is my uh, kaleidoscope die. Uh, yeah. Something that's so ugly it stands out that you can't possibly miss it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, all right. Dice has the Mad Cats logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be a don't dick. Be a dick. <laughs> Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you tell them uh, how they can avoid dickitude? And you can avoid dickitude by making a portrait of your character. Help Ooh. everyone envision what your character looks like. And there's lots of ways to do that, even if you're not artistically inclined. Like for example, you can go into Hero Machine, which is one example. Within like a few minutes, you can generate what your character looks like with like basic 2D art, and you can keep it for free. And there are paid versions by you to give you more stuff, but. The options there. And as many have pointed out, there's also Hero Forge where you can construct your, uh, what your mini looks like with a 3D model and you can even screen cap it. In fact, yeah. there are programs that allow you to uh, fill in colors. And actually, I think it's worth mentioning that they just finished the, uh, more than pass their, their uh, goals in Kickstarter for colored heroes. So that's oh going to be an option God. down the line too. Yeah. It's like a thousand percent funded 4, or something. 4,000 4, percent in like Jeez. a week. Yeah, it's almost like people hate actually painting their minis. Yeah. <laughs> right. They were funded within an hour. In fact, during like the first couple hours, you can you can literally watch the money and the people paid just like in real time just keep increasing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining them sitting at a table and just like stocks of, or uh, piles of money just piling up over their desk until they can't <laughs> see straight. Uh, guys, I what are we going to do all this extra? We should probably give them something. Oh, two minis? No, let's just keep it. Yeah. <laughs> I am tempted to buy the uh, one that says, you get 
10 STL models for 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah, it's only eight bucks a piece. That's pretty good. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, not bad. I think this is a great tip. I saw the artwork you did when uh, you were in our the, the game I ran for you guys, um, yep. which was just recently. I had a blast, by the way. Thank you so much. I, I did as well. I thought yeah. that was a lot of fun. Oh, also, on side note, you can also find stock images online, too, if you like. And actually, this kind of makes me think of when um, I ran the article where the, a blind player started playing with everybody else. And he actually asked everybody, can you describe to me what your characters look like? And they suddenly realized that there's what they picture a lot of the players what they pictured in their head didn't necessarily match up with the many they had on the map. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it helps draw is. out the entire yeah. thing to right. everyone. Yeah. I think it's a great tip. Um I worked like that I said, weird. you you sent me yeah, you did. <laughs> uh you sent me that, that image and I asked you where you had got it and I've learned that that's for somebody like me that can't draw, that's a very powerful tool and you can customize yeah. it so much. Yeah, so. there's. I was using the like really, really old version of Hero Machine from like 15 years ago. It's gotten only better that, since then. So there's mm -hmm. even with no artistic ability whatsoever, you can in five minutes you can have right. a fully color, full color, full body portrait of your character wielding the weapons they wield, casting spells, wearing armor, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. What I typically do is I just go on Pinterest and find yeah, somebody else's really, really nicely nice. done yeah. art. And yeah. I'm just yeah. like, that, that's close enough. And then, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to like, I'm not going to like repurpose it and sell it or anything. I just, sure. it's more just for my own, like, yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that being my character. That, right. that makes sense. Yeah. And it helps to bring it to life for everyone else as a reminder, especially if you can put it on like a little tent and sit it on the table. Definitely. So, yeah. So, all right. I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. Damn it, Gabe. And you can avoid dickitude by making a portrait of your character. So, um, I think that'll do it for our show today. Um, not woo, not woo. No, we don't celebrate the close of the show. We 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 finally over. Yeah, right. Our listeners like, damn it, it's a long one today. It's this long one has offset all the short ones we've had. So. Uh, that'll do it for our show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Hopefully you had fun. I had a blast. Um, yeah. Please join us on our next episode where we will be interviewing Alan McCoy. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, he runs an ongoing series called fight like a blank. I love this guy's stuff so much. It's very much like a monster tactics thing, but it's so in depth. Um, and it's awesome and I can't wait to find it. I recently posted, uh, I liked it so much that I went in that no cost or no reasoning went and gave it an absolutely gorgeous layout and posted the mind flare. <laughs> and I was like, dude, this is what you could have. Cause it's all in like a, a Facebook post. It's all like lame. I'm like, Oh dude, you need to put that in like a pretty layout. Cause Oh, I buy that. Anyway, so we're going to have him on. So that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. uh, <laughs> so if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. All right. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Or you just send us a message on telling us how much you enjoy the show. I like those a lot. It really helps my ego. Yeah, please stroke his ego. <laughs> we can't do it for him. It doesn't make much. <laughs> no. uh, also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on, on Twitch TV slash CritAcademy. And subscribe to, on YouTube so we can help you on your future adventures as well. It's a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. Make sure to check out our fellowship members as well. Yes. 
Huge shout out to Interparty Conflict, Gabe and Jeff. Those I guys do an awesome. Yeah, me too. They do an awesome job of answering your questions, like real professionals. Maybe we'll be like them someday. Who knows? Um, <laughs> also check out Brute Force and Ignorance, and also follow the Kind GM. Uh, he does an awesome, fantastic blog on Facebook and Twitter. I follow him mostly on Twitter. Um, he does some really good stuff. Uh, make sure to follow D and D Character Lab too. They're putting out. Uh, content or they're not putting out content anymore but their content is still there if to devour if you're listening to the for the first time so mm-hmm. uh i think that'll do it i am your host justin uh, i'm your guest gabe i'm your guest jeff and i'm your guest austin and i'm your co-host ian thanks for listening keep your blades sharp and your spells prepared heroes <laughs> <laughs>